Hello and welcome to the Midnight Film Room. My name is Brian Stevens. And I'm, uh, oh, fuck, uh, Drew Mascherelli. Drew Monster Mascherelli. Drew the Monster Mash? Arelli. I'm going to become, I'm going to become the type of guy who gives himself a nickname. It's like, oh, oh yeah, my name's Drew, but my friends call me Slick Andy. <laughs> and I lick my hand and like slick my hair back. I think you should do that. I, I, yes. I, <laughs> do yeah. the move where I lick my, my thumb and my pinky together, then like yeah. spread them across my eyebrows. Or the, you're like, hey, my name's Drew, but my friends call me Twitch. And you just start twitching. I, yeah, I fall on the ground. <laughs> Why do they call you Twitch? <laughs> Hey, my my name's Drew, but my friends call me Do Not Resuscitate, then I drop dead on the ground. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh shit. Hey, uh I, I had a, so I have a question for you. Yeah, Drew. Yeah? Oh, okay, I just want to make sure you're still there. Um Do you think on a scale of one to thirteen that uh all the hype for uh, the Black Widow movie is is true. Is there hype? I've heard like mostly very middling things. Well, it seems like every uh, Twitter post I've seen, every um, I guess I shouldn't say letterbox review because I, I honestly haven't read any letterbox reviews on it. But a lot of the reviews I've been seeing online are like super like positive for it. Let's see. According to my letterboxed friends who have seen it, we have a three star, a two and a half star, and a one and a half star. Well, it has a 3.6 average rating. Interesting. Do you think it's just uh, a result of new Marvel movie back in theaters? Well, that's what I was. That's what I was. I was wondering yeah. if you that on the scale of one to thirteen. Yeah, where like is it one that it's like just total garbage and it's just because it's a marvel movie or 13 is like no it's actually good uh probably like a like a like a five or six yeah somewhere in between there i get it i'm sure it's like i mean like slightly under the halfway point like i'm sure it is nothing super special based off of everything that i've seen from that movie which is like the same trailer over and over again for a year and a half yeah no shit yeah that movie has been right uh in an underground vault for a year and a half but um yeah i'm sure it's fine i don't really care to see it um and i'm sure if i did i'd have like nothing super like constructive to say about it because mm-hmm. it's not really my uh my thing not but, your bag baby yeah that's it hey my bag brian it's just hard for me to imagine that that movie is on par with Civil War or Thor Ragnarok or um, it, I'm trying. I, I don't know other movies that were like that. There, those are like the movies that are like 3.6 range. You know what I mean? Like when, yeah. in terms of letterbox scores. I mean, it's also only been out for a day, and all of the people seeing it are going to be like people who are excited for it. So I think That's over true. time, as more people see it, like that is came out last night didn't it recording this on friday night yeah yeah um so i i think that that'll probably change over time well and it's 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 also like the like rise of skywalker comes out and like pat Oswald tweets like oh my goodness jg really did it he did it he did it fuck (laughs) like 
I people are allowed to like things and a lot of times I think and everyone does this like you sort of like decide you've liked something before you even engage with it for um, sure or have decided that you didn't like something and I think Marvel is one of those things where if you're a Marvel person who's actively following news and buying the Funko Pops and shit you're gonna see like you're like right. oh my god it it added so many layers of depth to natasha's storyline <laughs> and it's yeah. like and if that's how you feel about it like awesome i'm glad you got something out of it no i i that is true i agree i agree like if you really really believe that then sure but yeah i just have a hard time believing that people really believe that <laughs> like in terms of especially Mar- out of girl movie <laughs> especially a, a female-led superhero movie no it just it's like one of the things that i loved and I, we're really off the rails here but that's okay because we don't really have an open discussion i didn't even set up this episode yet and we're five minutes in so fuck it let's just keep going uh one thing about marvel movies that i really liked is in the beginning they all seem to have a central theme um or like uh their own like um you know one was a, a thriller the other one was a, a straight up action movie one was sci-fi you know they all kind of had their own thing and now they've kind of just evolved into superhero mash you know what i mean like it's just whatever whatever the director's good at doing they do and it's yeah that's usually you like a little bit of what the director is good at and then like okay here is the formula you're gonna yeah. plug in these numbers and yep. then make whatever movie the algorithm spits out. Exactly, exactly. Um, it just, yeah, I, I was not excited for this movie at all. I just felt like a money grab. Like I, I don't know. I will say the TV series though have definitely embraced. And I guess you know we'll just go right into media hot takes. How about that? That's a good transition, right? Because that's what I one of the media hot takes I was going to talk about. This is a fucked up episode already, but who cares? Cult of pop after dark. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, midnight film review after, <laughs> after dark. dark. Yeah, you can you can bleep that out. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, so you know, uh, real quick. Okay, I'll I'll set it up real quick. Uh, so this <laughs> this episode, we're going to uh, we're not we don't have any open discussion, but apparently we just did. Uh, we both have media hot takes, and um, then we're going to review the is it, I think it's the fifth right? This is the fifth film or sixth? Yes, sir. Fifth film yep. in the Purge franchise, the Forever Purge. Uh, and we'll have some announcements um, for uh, upcoming episodes. Uh, also want to put a quick plug in this second episode of, of Drew's wonderful series about Modest Mouse uh, comes out soon. Um, so The Way Down, check it out if you haven't, wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, really looking forward to episode two. And- you know, I – oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I was just doing like passive research today and got really disappointed because I thought I'd stumbled upon like something really cool where it was a bunch of old like uh like LimeWire compilations that people had put together of Modest Mouse songs oh, wow. that somebody yeah. had preserved, and two of them were labeled uh, uh fucking Lonesome Crowded West be- uh demos and the Moon in Antarctica demos, and I was like, holy shit, are these like early versions of those songs? And then I download them. And there, some of them like uh, Trucker's Atlas is like two minutes longer, and that's already a long song yeah. on uh, Lonesome Crowded West. But it's the same exact song, but like pitched down slightly and like point two five percent slower. 
so like I don't really know what it is and some of them have like uh like weird studio sounds to open the song it's like oh you can hear like a guitar kind of being tuned or like yeah Eric plays like a little bass lick at the beginning of the song before they start that got cut out of the final release but it's really strange and I can't I don't really have anything to do with them because I don't really know what they are but I thought it was interesting. I was a little disappointed when it wasn't what I expected it to be. An actual demo is really just like a raw, like normal cut. Just a little raw. Yeah, but like kind of distorted unless that's what the original recording sounded like and they changed it for the final uh, I record. Yeah. I have no idea, but it was weird. Um, Really looking forward to episode two, just so you know. Yeah, and I uh, this one covers um, two releases that I really like. Fruit That Ate Itself, which... I think is very underrated and I think the uh, title track of that album is criminally underappreciated even by like diehard Modest Mouse fans so you know check what that song out. I'm gonna have to re-list it because I think that that's a I've always that's always been a song that I didn't really care for um, he like he's like rapping in it it's very weird but I think it's not really he's like scream rapping um yeah it, it's it's that one's kind of out there and then um Lonesome Crowded West which is you know classic album brian mm. i know you're a big fan you, you were re-listening to it recently you told me so yeah look forward to that yeah i i love that album um you know for the longest time moon and moon and antarctica was my favorite album um and i listened to it ad nauseum but then like uh when i really like got into lonesome crowded west and actually like started listening to it that quickly became probably my favorite album um it's it's a lot more raw right i think than oh yeah it's know. way heavier than like um moon antarctica is a kind of like a psychedelic album in a lot of songs but, and is yeah like, they really change up the sound uh for that one i feel like moon in our in our moon in antarctica i don't know why i can't say that today moon in antarctica uh kind of is really what they would become as artists in the future honestly like that's like that moment like that's the album that kind of shaped who they ended up being um yeah there's like a gradient between it's like the halfway point between where they got with good news and then lonesome crowded west because it's still it's like still a lot more lo-fi than good news like the production is still way more stripped back and it's a lot more experimental with somebody even though like people don't give good news enough credit for having some like kind of bizarre alienating songs on it um yeah but (laughs) Like there, there is some like strange shit on there, um, and like they really started pivoting there too. We're also going to transition it transition into another media hot take with this modest you're, discussion. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. We better. We sh- I want to save that for last. So let's well, let's okay. back up. Uh, let's. Uh, so anyways, for I have two media hot takes. Drew has one. Um, we kind of showed our bag, but I'll just I'll just lead off um, real quick with uh, Loki. Um, so. This is the third Marvel series. Uh, right, th- is that right? Third, we had Scarlet Witch, we had uh, Falcon and Winter Captain Soldier, one. Yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah, and now Loki. Um, and I have liked them all in varying degrees throughout um, episodes. I will say that this uh, initially uh, the Loki has been was the least ambitious, but the most even if that makes sense. So the highs weren't as high as the other series. Uh, I think, I still think uh, the first few episodes of Falcon winter soldier are, are like really, really good. Like some of the best Marvel stuff uh, before they, you know, kind of craft a bed in the end. Um, Scarlet, Witch, um 
pieces of that I really enjoyed. Um, again, at the towards the end of it, it kind of crapped the bed. This uh, very, through the very f- beginning, it was kind of just like mm, this is good. I expected Owen Wilson is terrific. Tom uh, Hiddleston is obviously great. Um, but then, uh, in my opinion, episode five was one of the m- most shocking and um, just brave things that they've done uh, with characters. Totally loved it. Totally came out of left field, in my opinion. And um, it's probably out of the three my favorite series so far. We'll see how it ends. Hopefully, it's this trajectory still is going the right way because it's been steadily moving up in quality and in storytelling and character development. Um, th- there is a central mystery to this that is, I think, um, more than intriguing. Um, and it feels like whatever happens at the end of this series is going to set up the next fave phase of Marvel movies, which um, is kind of a cool idea. But um, the, by far the most likable characters and most entertaining um, action um, set pieces that you can imagine. I'm thoroughly uh, excited about watching um this the show every week which the other two shows i would kind of let it kind of build up and i would watch a couple back to back um and i i really enjoyed them but this is just something else like it's just and again it's not like there's a there's a lot of nuance and a lot of social commentary in falcon and the winter soldier that was really 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 good and spot on and the hand-to-hand fighting and the action scenes were awesome but the last episode was so bad it kind of like it shit stained the rest of, of of the show for me. Where if this sticks the landing in any way, it doesn't have that moral compass or that like um, um, social commentary that the other shows were trying to put forth, which is fine. Um, but it's just good quality entertainment. So, um, would you say that the uh, this like big reveal you mentioned in episode five is it something that has like implications for the wider MCU, or is it more contained to the arc of the show uh yeah it it definitely has wide implications interesting for the show uh or for the mcu for sure um not at all what i expected not at all um yeah i in uh if if i if i again i want to wait until this series is over and i'll come back and i'll and i'll get my two cents on that but as of now if you were only going to watch one i would i would say watch loki that would be the one um, and that's not recency bias, because I, I really enjoyed Falcon Winter Soldier, but damn, that last that last episode was terrible. It was just so so bad. I don't know if you remember me talking about that, but I do. Yeah, they should have they should have named him Loco because that guy is <laughs> Loco off his rocker. <laughs> um, my second piece of media hot take here is uh, I recently rewatched Twister, and I asked Drew. I said, hey, Drew, have you seen Twister? And he said, what the hell is that? I've never even heard of it. That's not um, true. I, I, <laughs> I know what the poster looks like. <laughs> no, what he actually said was uh, he's waiting for the perfect moment to, to watch it. Uh, Correct. And I said, uh, do it now. Um, so I'm sure that most of you probably have heard of Twister. And I think it kind of gets written off as kind of a uh, low-budget disaster midsummer flick i guess Um, yeah it's another one of those board game movie adaptations (laughs) yeah exactly oh god yeah i didn't even think about that good uh 
<laughs> no, not at all, Drew. If they were if they were gonna make that movie, it would have to be like uh like a PG thirteen saw. Yeah, right. Style yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly what it would have to be. You're right. Somehow. Um what what I found rewatching Twister and kind of what I wanted want to talk about was the filmmaking. Um, I so I looked up the director and the guy's name is Jean Debont. I hope I'm saying that right. And this guy was a mid '90s tour de force. So he made Speed, the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves and uh, Sandra Bullock. He did Speed Two, Twister, The Haunting. Um, the original, not the original Haunting, but the the remake of the original, which is just god awful. It's a terrible movie. Stars Liam Neeson and Catherine Zeta Jones and Owen Wilson and Bruce Dern. Just it's, but it's not a good movie. And then he did the Laura Croft film, uh, the Tomb Raider film, uh, Cradle of Life, with um, um, Angelina Jolie. And then of course he did Twister. Uh, and that's that's his filmography. I don't know anything about him. He's a Dutch man, uh, but I will say that the filmmaking in Twister is top notch. I mean, you have some excellent you know CGI for the for the time period mid 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 to late nineties, and on top of it, you have this story. And I didn't realize it until I rewatched it because I haven't seen it in years. It takes place. Uh, actually, you know, it, I want to say this. It came out in '96 too, by the way, Drew. Um, we thought I thought it was '99, but it came out in '96. Um, it all takes place in 20, 24, 36 hours. Like it's all one day. This entire story, and it, it when I think about that, it is insane. There's not a lot of movies that take place in one day, and and so much shit happens. Um, and if you don't, for those who don't know, basically, um. Bill Harding, who is played by uh, Bill Paxton, is a weatherman slash uh, ex-tornado chaser. His ex-wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife, is played by Helen Hunt, and she is still currently uh, chasing tornadoes. But suffice to say, uh, a lot of shit happens in these 24 to 36 hours, and uh, it's it's pretty intense. Like the thriller side of this movie is predictable but at the same time it's it, there's some white knuckling going on um the cast also insane uh Carrie Hughes, Ells or however the hell you say his name you know what I'm talking about for Princess Bride Carrie Ells is that how you say his name Ells you tell me yeah whatever he's in this uh Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this movie who is again just fabulous he plays this like goofy funny dude and he is awesome alan ruck is in this movie um just some a lot of faces that you'll know jeremy davies is in this uh anthony rapp uh just a lot of people who would become famous later on (laughs) in in their lives um jake Busey is in this movie like i'm just like i could go on with the side characters but um bill paxton and helen hunt are obviously the the main characters and and they are terrific i was surprised by how much this film uh pleased me i had just a blast watching it i would highly recommend seeking out twister and uh and and checking it out it is it is insane i cannot believe this movie got made because there really isn't a plot to it like there is but it's so the plot is so like 
small and dumb. Like the implications are very sci-fi. Um, basically I'll just break the, what the plot is. They have this device called Dorothy, very on the nose, obviously Dorothy, who, if they, they're trying to get this device in the path of a, uh, of a tornado so that the sensors can be sucked up and they can see inside the inside of a tornado for the first time ever. And by doing this, they will be able to predict when and how tornadoes happen. Um, I think it'll just look really blurry. You, you would think, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm throwing my GoPro into <laughs> a hurricane. Yeah. Right. <laughs> This is uh, going to look awesome. <laughs> We're going to see what's inside. It, it, it's really silly, but honestly, everything that's going on around it, the tornado chasing is like, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's an insane movie. I cannot believe that this movie got pitched and made. And, um, oh yeah. And by the way, it made $250 million. So go, fi- go, go figure. Is this, is, was this a blockbuster? Yes, it was. Um, and it's unabashedly a blockbuster. So, um, do you remember uh, Hurricane Heist? Yes, I do remember Hurricane Did Heist. Did you watch that? I was never. That something I wrote in. About? You, yes, you wrote into the show about it, and uh, I never, I never saw it. You, you took, you took the, the bullet for me. Yeah, I don't. That was like what spring twenty eighteen. Um, yeah, I think so. I believe I, there's a scene where they throw a hubcap yes. into a like a mini vortex and it like hits a guy in the throat and kills him. <laughs> yeah. I don't really remember that much else from that movie, but that was one of like the, uh, Oh, it's 4 PM. I'm going to go see a movie by myself. <laughs> it's either this or 50 shades darker. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think you may have chose wisely. I don't know. No, those, that was, uh, those are both the same arrow of me just like torturing myself oh, with God. those movies and writing into you were a the bra- first brave iteration man. of this podcast. <laughs> I remember being like, I cannot believe he's doing this to himself. Just uh, like essentially emailing suicide notes. <laughs> Little did we know. Uh, it might have kept you alive, Drew, because you were like, well, this is a pain worse than death. I must do this to myself. Brian and Colin need to know. <laughs> exactly. For what I have seen cannot go <laughs> unrecorded. <laughs> Like an uh, HP Lovecraft protagonist. Yeah, exactly. Aside from the racist stuff. <laughs> I have a normal named cat. <laughs> normal to you, maybe. Normal to us. I have, a, I have a cat called Mittens. That's about as normal as you can get, Brian. That's true. Good point. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, one thing I didn't know about this, too, by the way, until I looked up on IMDb just now, is that um, this was written by Michael Crittenden, which makes sense. You know, the guy behind... Jurassic Park, Westworld, stuff like that. He all famous for their natural disasters. Yeah, he he wrote Twister. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's it. Check out Twister. I I was surprised to say the least. All right, Drew, what do you got? All right, audience, do you guys want to hear me talk about modest mode <laughs> even more? Are you <laughs> sick of me yet? <laughs> Don't answer that. Um, <laughs> Modest Mouse released their new album, The Golden Casket, on June 25th. Um, And honestly, I've been kind of shocked by the general response it's gotten by fans. where People are like, yes, this is the best thing they've put out since Moon in Antarctica or uh, Good News or, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the two records that people mostly point to like, oh, nothing they've done since 
those has come close to this, which like it's a very strange uh, album. You've listened to it too, Brian. Yeah. Uh, right. I know we talked about it briefly um, because the overall vibe of the thing is like what the music they play at JC Penny would sound like <laughs> if you were having a bad trip. <laughs> yeah. It's like very well-produced like the the opening track of the song is called fuck your acid trip and it's like goes from this very uh like bassy kind of psychedelic really wonky verse where it's like yeah fuck your acid trip i need and then it's like this like transitions to this like beautiful like uh like i like a very like cheery guitar uh riff and like a very nice chorus so like the whiplash of that's really strange and most of the songs on there are like that there's one uh transmitting receiving where he's just like listening he's like uh, cell phones giraffes zebras and zoos like, <laughs> just like a bunch of the thing uh things that are wrong with the world yeah and in interviews before the album he's like yeah transmitting receiving is the most important song i've ever written um it's <laughs> like there's so much happening in the world yeah. right now that people don't know about because he's like very conspiracy brain now he's like he's like a gang stalking guy um was talking about like thoughts being beamed into his brain through radio waves but at the same like you'd listen to that and be like oh no this is like a bad sign for this guy's mental health but then he has other songs on there where he's like oh yeah i'm just like so happy to be a dad like finally i have <laughs> yeah. purpose in life then <laughs> it's like it's such a hard thing to read because it, it, it like it's definitely experimental like it doesn't play it safe but the ways it's weird are like it's like oh this almost sounds like it's like kind of kids boppy or something it's what do you think of it brian yeah so i i definitely agree with a lot of what you said um i i i honestly felt like they're i think maybe <sighs> trying to trying to figure out how to put this in, into words i'm not good at at um breaking down albums i'm not good at reviewing albums but it it felt like someone was doing a it's not, it sounded like somebody was was covering modest mouse in a way and i know that's not exactly what i mean it just felt like a alternate ver like in an alternate reality this is what they might sound like if that makes sense yeah um, the song that made me think that most was a uh, japanese trees i don't know if you remember yeah. that one yeah because he's like the the main hook of the song is like such a mouthful like he's really trying to push the phrase like oh you're twisting and you're turning like a japanese tree and it yeah. just sounds very awkward and it's like well you like it like is identifiable as a modest mouse song but a very uncanny valley yeah yeah right exactly it, no and that's it's like it's like in like uh one of those like superman red sun alternate history like what if the soviets won the cold war this is what modest mouse would sound like <laughs> no that ex that's exactly what i'm trying to say exactly and like i there one okay so one of the things i find i've always found unique about modest mouse is obviously isaac brock's voice is unique their music is different because it can go from like you mentioned it can go from hard fast to folk to pop in the same song um but the lyrics have always seemed like witty and um thought-provoking 
maybe I was... yeah he he's a big fan of like rhetorical questions and like like kind of like oh hits blunt philosophy yeah right it's like what if the stars were projectors like that sort of thing right, and it, like exactly. it feels like he's kind of lost that on this no that's what i was gonna say is like everything yeah. in here it seems like again it's like he's stretching everything is a stretch everything is like like i said it's like upside down on a mouse in my opinion like it's not uh i I'm, I'm surprised by the affection for this album because i there was nothing that i heard that i was like man i want to hear that song again or like that stuck with me or even even that's got a catchy beat or catchy like riff or something like i just i didn't feel that at all in this album like at all there yeah there are a couple songs that i i thought were highlights fuck your acid trip that opening one is like a weird song and the songwriting is like very literal <laughs> which is yeah. kind of weird for modest mouse like he he's never really written songs from like oh this is about something and telling like a very clear story um i thought that one was good though i think uh we're between which is the first single is a little generic but i think it's good wooden soldiers um is definitely a highlight that's one of the middle tracks i that's definitely the most like that could have come out on like we were dead or um yeah uh no one's first and you're oh no i the I forget the name of that EP exactly. I'm sorry. So no, no, expert that's I am. Um, but like something from that era. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I actually like wooden soldiers a lot. I, I actually like, uh, lace your shoes too. Um, I thought yeah, as a father yourself. Yeah. I, I, I liked it. Uh, it felt like a little bit more, it felt like a mature version of modest mouse, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not a great song, but I, I definitely, that's one that from the album that I'll probably, you know, put on my Spotify playlist that and wooden soldiers. Um, I honestly don't know if there's other than those two songs. I'm trying to think. Um, may, maybe we're lucky. Um, yeah, that one is like a, a very genuine song um, because he's also traded in a lot of his like general pessimism for the world. Yeah, right. Like he has a lot of like oh like that transmitting receiving song where he's like uh, apps and Instagram and fucking the computer viruses, <laughs> Y2K. Um, but like that's like has a very like uh almost like like a like a cult initiation vibe to it yeah that's um, weird, yeah i like, like that a, like a like a positive doomsday cult yeah yeah <laughs> right yeah and that seems to be the place he's coming from like all these interviews like oh yeah you know like i i learned the truths about the world and i see the universe a different way now and i just care about my children and reconnecting with my parents which I mean, that's fine. Yeah, not not bad idea. Like, if that's the conclusion you come to from your worldview, like you're probably onto something because that seems like you're focusing on the right thing. Yeah, right, exactly. You're growing. Uh, I just, man, I don't know. Like, I feel so. Like, I don't know. Like the song, um, if uh, what the uh, what's it? never fuck a spider Never on fuck a spider on the fly like, i think i kind of like that one too well what i was gonna say is like i, I mean i kind of like it too but it feels like it's on the verge of being a great modest mouse song like i really like i think the lyrics are are pretty decent but i think I, that's the one where he mentions uh hashtags or like selfies or something 
Uh, I could be wrong. I'm trying to, I mean, I don't have all the songs memorized, but he does talk about like cellular. I remember like that. It's like the one line is, uh, I'll carry on the carry on. It takes something with your cellular gadgets on or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I that the, it feels like a modest mouse song, but it just again like something about um, the writing and the lyrics are just just a tad off. Like I can't I can't explain it other than like it's like a bizarre world. <laughs> like I don't know. Um, and that's how it is with like most like most of the tracks. Like they're okay, but they just don't feel like modest mouse completely. And I, I don't know. Yeah, there's they're all okay songs, and there's one constant aspect of it, like one part of the production or like one instrument choice. Because like one of the other behind the scenes thing of this album is Isaac originally his pitchfork is like I don't want to play guitar at all on this album, mm-hmm. and he ended up doing it. Um, but that definitely is reflected in the music. Um, yeah. But yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. But I don't know why is that though. Like why? I mean. The dude's been working since like '93. Um, yeah, I guess well, like you're he, right. like he, definitely like wants to stay interested. I know there's like a ton of unreleased stuff and like a full unreleased album. There, those uh, three singles from 2019. Apparently, those were part of an album that never came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. May, like they've historically put out EPs too. Of like, okay, here's yeah. like five B sides from. Uh, like this is a long drive that never came out. And that's what uh, like Interstate Eight eventually became. Mm-hmm. So right. maybe there'll be something like that. But I, he he doesn't seem particularly interested in like staying like super relevant after this album comes out. From everything I've gathered, yeah, I I see, and I think that like the Golden Cascade, like that was kind of like the idea of it. it's like burying, like kind of yeah. you know, yeah, and. Uh, which I, I get it. That is kind of that's like more special to him. But I thought it was kind of a cheesy title too. For it just again, it felt like someone was like, "Oh, what's a name for a Modest Mouse album?" And like they came up with the gold. Like I don't know. That's just yeah. I guess like ultimately where I fall on it in terms of like my own opinion, which is not really what like the way down is about. So I feel like I'm not double dipping too much here. Mm-hmm. It's like I'd rather see like this album come out that's like really weird and not what i expected and it's like oh well if you had an immediate follow-up to strangers to ourselves the 2015 album it wouldn't sound like this like that has a very <laughs> distinct sure. sound yeah. compared to what this ended up being and if it's between just more like yeah whatever kind of middling modest mouse songs and i think there are good songs on that album too but like those three singles they released if it was something like that it's like that yeah. would kind of make me feel sadder than something was like okay clearly he's like having fun making this music because it's like it's so energetic uh for the most part so i'd rather because and like people like people need to understand that he's like in his mid 40s now he's never gonna make another lonesome crowded west he was like 21 years old right he was writing that album and and it's like reflected in the songwriting Mm -hmm. like the dude has two kids now i don't know what people expect right no you're right and that's the thing too is like growing up and having a kids and like just being an adult like there's a reason that people 
don't tend to make great music, uh, you know, as they get older in life. Like it's because, and I hate being this cliche, but I think it's a hundred percent true. Most great art comes from self, um, doubt and deprecation. Like they, you know, most great artists are conflicted. Like that's just yeah. the truth yeah. and through whatever the f- saying is, but through great pain comes great art. And I think that's true. And you know, a lot of times, but if you make it to your forties and your fifties, like you've pretty much gotten through like some of the worst shit probably, you know? And so, um, there's a lot of reflection in art and, um, you know, I, I definitely respect this album cause I, de- it definitely feels like something that he's proud of and I'm like, kind of like good for him, you know? Yeah. And he's like, at the peak of Modest Mouse's uh, success was somebody who struggled a lot with sobriety and like mental health issues. And I think a lot of the stuff people really love for Modest Mouse is from that era of his life. It's like, what the, like if he's improving himself and that is what made those albums great to an extent, obviously, like that's not everything. But if that contributed in any capacity, like if he's doing better now, I'd rather hear yeah, ex- something like this than like, exactly. Oh, he, this is tortured 50 year old Isaac Brock. Like, I don't know. I don't want to see that. Like right. that'd make me sad. No, I agree. Like that's, yeah, that's kind of selfish to, to want that. No, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, you know, and I, again, like I always say this too, is like, I can't expect someone to make the same album or at least variations of the same album for 20 years. Like you just can't expect that, you know, like they, that would be boring for them. Right. Like if you just kept like making the same music and didn't grow or didn't try new things and yeah, you know, your audience isn't going to love it, but, um, it's, if you're making art for your audience, then you're probably not the, the artist that I've, I love anyway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's not you know I don't love Modest Mouse because they made songs for me you know they made music for them and I just happened to like it so this one this one's for you Brian <laughs> one two three four yeah uh, anything else you want to say we can get into the forever purge let's get purging Brian all right let's do it so I'm loading up my ice cream truck with a fifty cal <laughs> are you gonna shoot some um, popsicle sticks at me. Yeah, I got I got those uh I got little booty shorts on and those Laura Croft <laughs> hip holsters. That was, yeah. Yeah, and like a little crop top. Uh oh god, I gotta sneeze. Oh um and I don't have a mute on this mic, so yeah, Ryan sneezes when he's horny. Yeah, you know. I think it's going away. Um all right, so hey, hey man, bless you anyway. Thank you. Let's just set this up. Uh so for those that don't know, uh this is the last purge uh film, supposedly. Um it, it, anyways, it's the last Purge accor- film, according to uh, James DeMonico, who is the 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 one of the main writers um, of these Purge films. Um, I guess you could say creator. I mean, he's created them. I would say, right? I mean, from the creator of the Purge, from the creators. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, yeah, this is his baby. This is you know he, he's done the tv series he he's done the purge uk which i don't know if you've ever heard of that or seen that but that was the thing um oh yeah that was part of their like usa show wasn't it yeah yeah um now i will say he see he did the pur see he wrote the purge pur- purge anarchy purge election year for so he's done them all okay i did i wasn't sure if he did write them all so he did write them all um 
we will probably at some point talk about the entire series, so I don't want to go too in-depth here, but I know um, Drew really likes him. Uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about that. But I, um, you know, I've enjoyed these films um, in varying, varying degrees, and I will just say off the jump, um, these movies have changed so much from the first one um, to this one. And it is uh, sometimes for the worse. Uh, but as of late, I would say that it's for the better. Yeah, I think the only misstep in the uh, four Purge movies post The Purge, which, yeah, as you were saying, in terms of like overall feel is kind of its own thing um because the rest of them are like horror action movies to the tune of like uh an escape from new york um Mm -hmm. not like john carpenter quality but that sort of feeling and like kind of pulling from that 80s genre aesthetic um but i think the only misstep in that lineage of four movies was election year um that one just like it was kind of hokey i think anarchy is really cool i watched that one most recently before the first purge or before uh the final purge rather um or forever purge jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah uh i think anarchy is super fun the first purge the fourth movie uh if you can wrap your head around that folks (laughs) um it just is like such a cool atmosphere and just the overall set design of everything and the costumes it's all of it is very on the nose. The commentary they're trying to make, they have like government officials and clan robes yeah. shooting up like an apartment building full of essentially like black Panthers. Um, in the first purge, it's like, like they're going for it, but that's what I appreciate about them. Um, even in, uh, this new on the forever purge, there's that, if I can briefly touch on my favorite scene in the entire movie, um, it's not a spoiler, but they are in the back of a police van, two of the main characters with like a, a woman who looks like she's like dressed to go to a nightclub. And then this like gigantic like skinhead dude, they're driving down the street and you, you it's focused only on his face, slowly zooming in and you hear gunshots going off and he's like, that one's an AK 47 Glock 19. And eventually like, the bus flips over and then that scene gets, um, it kind of like gets darker and even more exploitative than I think any other purge movie has gotten in terms of like the, like uh, coming close to like one of the characters getting sexually assaulted by yeah. this guy. And it's like really goes for something. And I like, I've seen criticism too of this one where it's like, Oh, it's like a white savior movie, which is like, I understand that criticism. Um, and I'm like not trying to tell anybody like, no, you can't, uh make that claim about this just because i like it like in despite of issues people might find with it i think its heart is still generally in the right place and i think like the third act of this movie takes some like seriously major swings like wow they really released this fourth of july weekend (laughs) yeah right um that so you know the idea of the purge that's supposed to I guess um, strike fear into the hearts of men is that 
there's this idea that all crime is legal. And so in that is rape, right? And that's like supposed to be like, ooh, rape. Like that, you know, like because I think that we, at least in my rudimentary mind, um, like, you know, murder is bad, obviously. Like that's a terrible thing to take someone else's life. I'm wholly against it. But if someone rapes someone I love or hurts a child, that just seems like almost worse in some ways. Um, and I don't know if that's just society, something that's impressed upon me or, um, or, or why I personally feel that way. I mean, obviously if someone killed someone I love, I would be just as pissed, but you know, someone, but rape just seems just like so terrible in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously it is, but I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but, but what my point yeah, is that it's, it's, you know, the lasting trauma of something like that happening to somebody. Like I, I get what you're saying. Like the purge never really, delved into that right like it never really it was it never really you didn't have like wild rapists you know like and so it never really that feels like something that you know if the purge came out in the 70s uh guaranteed we would have seen somebody getting raped like that's you know those exploit exploitation films of the 70s and 80s we would have seen that um and i'm not saying i want to see somebody get raped that's not what i'm saying (laughs) but my point is like that part of you're correct that part of the film was the closest i feel like the series has ever come to being that type of ex exploitative film yeah and there there were a couple parts of this one too that i felt like really not that it was more gritty um but it's like around the the second act of the movie where all the purge activities are really starting to kick up in the city and um they do these cutaway shots of like closed circuit security camera Mm -hmm. footage of people doing the purge and they're so like grounded and like real looking it just looks like snuff film footage yeah um i was like oh like some of it was like oh that's kind of like chilling just like a a group of people blindfolded getting executed by a firing squad and shit like that it's like it it feels like they uh take a couple of bigger swings in this movie in terms of like oh yeah here's here's something like edgy and kind of that could uh offend people but I don't think it it's particularly risky either. I mean, are we are we in spoilers or No, no, I don't want to get to spoilers okay. yet. Um cuz I I wanted to talk a little bit more before we get to spoilers about the um the different films too. Like I like I said we're going to have a retrospective, but like you mentioned like election year being the only real messed up and and I totally I I agree with you there because um you know, I didn't mind the first purge, which is a hundred percent a um, a it's a break and entering. What what what's the term? I can't think of it. Home invasion. Home invasion. It's a home invasion film, a hundred percent. But what DeMonico, uh, James DeMonico, the creator of these films, writer, what he was like he, trying to say was um, like basically there was a class warfare uh, and, and race to this, right? Like yeah. uh, racism and class warfare. And um, e- Ewan McGregor's character, um, was it Ewan McGregor, right? That's uh, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, sorry. Ethan Hawke. Um, I don't know why I always get those two confused. They are definitely d- different. Uh, Ethan Hawke's character sells uh, security systems, right? And he mm-hmm. benefits off the purge himself, basically. Um 
a sort of purge industrial complex, Brian. It, right, exactly. Um, which, and I, 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 I thought the the parallels were were interesting in that film. Uh, I know people thought that they were, and and you people say this in varying degrees about all these films that were on the nose, but election year was just like so reductive and so, it, in a lot of ways, asinine that it was just. It wasn't just on the nose. It was almost like a caricature of a purge film. Like it yeah. just it didn't work on any level. It really wasn't all that entertaining and it got so wrapped up in its politics that it became almost unwatchable to be honest with you. And, and it's its politics were way more like middling than cuz I I think like the first purge the fourth movie because we've called the very first purge movie and the first purge <laughs> yeah, that. Right. Yeah. so good point so good point yeah the fourth movie and the fifth movie which we're reviewing today i think take the biggest swings in that regard where like i don't think uh the forever purge is particularly like centrist either um because i mean it, it's definitely like both sidesing like it, it has criticisms of uh both aisles in american politics um but isn't like somewhere in the middle it's like oh what if we could just all get along it's like hey yeah yeah, maybe like america is a fucking doomed country because everyone here fucking hates each other for no reason and like every other country is more generous to each other than like this shithole um so I, i like i appreciate that aspect about it and election year was just like no, I'm with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It really was. It, it it was. It definitely made like a a strong like political stance, and it I I it I'm not not to get too political, and I'm trying to because Pokemon go to the purge. <laughs> like I feel like you know there there's a chance of alienating both sides with what I'm about to say um, in terms of politics, but you know it painted. Uh, it, it pretty much, without saying it, one person was supposed to be Hillary Clinton, the other person was supposed to be Donald Trump, right? And instead, yeah. and, and instead of pa- painting um, some kind of nuance or even just like some straight up honesty on both levels, and having like because ideally, I think you you would agree with me, there was probably a third option that would have been much better. With like honestly, you know, we may have got the. Uh, depending on how you view it, the more evil of, of two evils, or in some cases, people would believe the lesser two evils. But in our opinion, I, I think I'm going to speak for Drew here. I think the choices were, in our opinions, just shitty choices. And but the movie wholly cited that no, she's a savior. She's saving us from the devil. Um, and I don't. It was. It, I don't know. I just feel like it was just so blatantly like propaganda that it it just it really bothered me to be honest with you yeah which is again weird because even like the forever purge kind of takes the stance where in this future world it's like oh yeah we beat the purge we voted it out but our like uh our party was too weak basically and we were just like too much of fucking pushovers to keep the new founding fathers out of america and like within years they just got the purge starting back up again because it's like you have a a fascist party and then just like a totally ambivalent like 
performative like oh we're fighting against them right. like vote your brains out so this almost feels like the antithesis to election yeah. year yeah it's not like oh go right. vote your brains out like that fucking bullshit that pops up every time yeah but, and it's yeah and it's like oh no actually you're getting more of the same shit right like you voted but and you 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 got it right but you still got it wrong right yeah um, but and i i still think though that you know i'm like i i think i care a little less strongly about people not liking me because of things i say about politics on here if it ever comes up yeah right. but this definitely takes a pretty strong stance against like there there is some super clear allegory even if this movie was made before like the capital riots and everything like oh for it, sure it yeah. came out at the perfect time of like okay here is there's this surprisingly large subset of people in america who are just like fucking chomping at the bit for a collapse into like fascism and fucking like selling people for public executions on stage like they show in purge anarchy and using it as an excuse to mm-hmm. go into like low-income areas and just like execute poor people um like they definitely take a hardline stance against that but I, I i still think this and the first purge are way more radical in their ideas than election year i totally agree yeah no i i i complete i'm completely on on the same page with you um as that um I I think um, in terms of I, of this film, we can just give our general thoughts and then we can move into um, spoiler section. I, I think this is actually a very well made film. I there are I have some issues with some contrivances, but um, I think that overall it's entertaining as shit. And um, the I think the name is terrible and i th- like one of my biggest issues is like the names of some of like um yeah it has the same problem that resident evil has yeah it really does it's a great point that's a it's like they didn't give any thought at all to like the names of these groups and like i don't know it just seems like no one no one would think that these are cool names no one is going to call themselves the um the um uh what's the my mind just went completely blank. The Forever Purgers are called something. Um, oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I saw this a week ago. <laughs> I'm sorry, Drew. Sorry for making you try to dig so- Um I, I literally saw it two days ago. Uh, I can't, and I can't think of what they're... Anyways, it's a really shitty name, right? And it's like just like there's some aspects of it that feel like kind of um, just glossed over in terms of writing. Um, yeah, but also at the same time, like no part of it is trying to be like grounded. Like, oh, this is a this is what it would really be like. People are running around with like neon Statue of Liberty masks and that right. like the fucking bunny suits and like it is silly and kind of I think that's where the sort of like exploitation uh angle yeah. comes from where it's like oh yeah you have like fucking cartoon characters running around killing people in various insane horror movie ways yeah um no. so it doesn't bother me as much because i think they make a lot of really cool set pieces out of it because like oh here is the most bombastic version of this type of villain and now you get to watch like a fun two minute set piece with them um the P, the PPF, the Purge Purification Force, is what I was trying to come the, up with. The puny, the puny penis. The puny pew pew pew. Um, 
one thing I did um, I I did notice too just now looking this up and I think it's kind of funny is noted uh, right winger and um, he's not I shouldn't say right winger but he has been aligned uh, with the right in many aspects and notoriously close to the um, armed services is uh, this movie was produced uh, by Michael Bay Oh, good. And I just thought that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I wonder if there was some uh, Department of Defense money going into this, right? Um, like, <laughs> a Zero Dark Thirty type, like, what if Osama bin Laden was killed by a girl boss with mental health issues? <laughs> <laughs> what if? What if? Yeah. What if a? What if a real uh, <laughs> girl boss forgot to take her meds and right. stayed up too late? It, right. Exactly. I was thinking about that movie the other day and getting kind of pissed off. <laughs> Yeah, okay. that, that save that for another podcast. Yeah, but this, oh, we got to do a like a Catherine Bigelow like that trilogy of movies yes, retrospective. Absolutely. That'd be fun. I, I agree. I, I totally agree with that. Anyway, um, but anyways, I think that this the movie the movie does a great job of, um, despite my issues with like the, the naming conventions and even the name of the movie not being Purge forever for some reason calling it forever purge um uh i i think that um the action is fantastic and some of the set pieces um i, I don't I, I this feels in a lot of ways like uh uh it, it has like pieces of western westerns a western feel to it i don't know if it's because most of it takes place in texas um but also like just um a prison escape film too like yeah you, you know what i mean like i mean i know that's essentially kind of what it is but it other than else like what i want to talk about is like breaking down the other films is like you have this um the first film is a home invasion film the second film is kind of like a um 80s it's the alien to aliens jump basically it's like pretty much yeah 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 and they try to, to continue that on with i think with with election day and it just kind of failed but then the first purge is this very like um almost like it's much more of a horror film i feel like than the other ones where it's like you feel like these two these characters are being stalked and they're trying to survive like there's a uh not necessarily like a michael myers but there's like they are trying to weave their way through this horror film to stay alive um and um yeah, like what if the entire city became a like haunted house? Exactly. Yeah, or a, a Jason figure. Yeah, and then uh, this film is much more. I feel like of an action film, and it has like I said, elements of a western, elements of like a prison break uh, type type film. Um, yeah. Anyways, those are my thoughts. Yeah, for sure. No, I uh, I agree with that. Do we want to get into spoilers? Yeah, or? yeah. Let's do spoilers. So if you don't want to hear spoilers for, I, I have so much trouble with this. With the Forever Purge, stop listening now. What, honey? Wow. Are you kidding oh, really? me? You just ruin it every oh, time. Oh, I'll see you at home. Wait so a second. Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? Get into spoilers, actually. We got to give some alternate names. Uh, don't stop purging. Um, <laughs> I love that. Don't stop purging. The That's... purge don't stop. Um, pur- purge on, purge on, purge on. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is there any movie with Persian in the title that we could maybe 
maybe <laughs> the prince of prince of Persian. the the prince of Persian. yeah and he's just like the best purger in the world <laughs> yeah there you go I, but seriously why didn't they why did they not call it purge forever like i i, I all the other movies are purge anarchy purge um election, election day year. yeah or election year whatever why I is guess, it the forever purge like why is that what it's called it just is i don't know it throws me off the first purge got away from that convention though that's true but i mean what are you gonna call that the purge first time i don't like baby's first purge yeah i I don't know i i liked uh this movie though and um i like when when um i'm trying to there's so many characters in this movie too by the way like i was shocked um by how big the cast was yeah it's basically a vignette movie yeah, yeah. Like, okay, here's a bunch of people we can throw into different scenarios. Uh, let's have fun. Pre- pretty much. And um, I love the idea that there's a Native American tribe that's, like, running the safe out. Like, I don't know. There's something to that that I thought was cool, too, by the way. Um, yeah. I wanted to um, talk about one thing that really struck me while watching the movie. And I know I've talked about this movie probably ad nauseum on this podcast before. But the the third act sort of like escape the city sequence, I think they had to have been taking a couple of shots from that, from the uh, long one take in Children of Men in the Bex Hill. Camp. Oh, right. Yeah. Like because they do one long continuous shot and they have like the tank that's in Children of Men. Mm-hmm. They like recreate the. Uh, that cover shot like the picture that's on the dvd and poster yeah where five own is like hiding behind the rubble they like have that shot exactly and thematically it's identical to it's like okay we have to get out of this country to somewhere safer because it's like totally falling to shit you're right yeah that is you're right um, i was like oh shit this is like i mean nothing close to how powerful that scene in children of men is it's one right. of the greatest films of all time um it's like, oh, yeah, no, this is, like, on my wavelength in some capacity. No, I, I didn't – I honestly didn't think about that. But now that you mention it, it definitely – I can definitely see that. Like, it's yeah. – he definitely feel it definitely feels like he was, like, I want to recreate that that scene or, like, th- these scenes from that – like, or, like, that was, like, hey, you know, that's really cool. I want to do that. Um and obviously it's to, to varying degrees of success because I think part – I mean there are some really good action uh, in that – in that in the, the last third of this movie. Um, yeah. And that's probably to me like the most – the that's when I was having the most fun is when this movie is an action flick in that last third of the movie. I could have done without the – the I mean the, I, I just think that the whole like idea of like – I don't know, like the political parties and having like this wider um, conspiracy. And uh, I don't know. I feel like it's just kind of like it's it's half assed. And at the same time, like, I don't really care. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the conspiracy part has been there since Purge Anarchy. No, but that movie, I feel like, is more about the conspiracy, right? Like. I don't like. I feel like it's just here to as a reminder. Like I don't feel like it adds anything to the plot. I, I don't know. I just I don't know if I'm expressing myself enough here. But like I just don't like. 
the rules of this film, whatever you make it to be, are fine. We don't need some other in-depth reason that people are idiots or terrible or bad, right? Like, yeah. I don't... Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'm okay with this. Like, um... I... I, I don't know. Like, the probably the moment that, for me, this movie really takes off is when Juan and TT, uh, after they find out that the Tucker family is our hostage and that, that action scene there. Right. Where, oh, with where, um, they're all like kneeling down. Yeah. Right. The, the guy who's, yeah, that was the one scene that also felt kind of out of line. Cause the whole movie is very charging. It's like, Oh yeah, this like fascist party has taken over America. And then this guy shows up and he's like, you're not, you're not paying the people who work for you enough. Right. And then it's like, yeah, look at this asshole too. Look at this guy taking advantage of the purge. <laughs> right, <laughs> like that's yeah. the one time where it did feel like kinda kinda like milk toast politically. Um where it's like he's it's that's clearly like the uh like Antifa stand in. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. You're hundred percent correct. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't take yeah. it but then it kind of that that group disappears right like it doesn't oh yeah no like that's that's the only scene that touches on that which is why it was like interesting to me um because mm-hmm. the rest of it is like oh yeah look at all the fucking nazis look at all these like <laughs> yeah, racist people right. who hate mexicans mm-hmm. um and I, I i like that that's the direction these movies have taken i sense election year even though i like that's the worst movie in the series probably um but they're they're all very focused on like okay um the first purge is like sort of like the the reagan era like war on poor black communities this Mm -hmm. one is entirely about immigration and sort of like that culture in like southwest texas and that area of the united states Mm -hmm. um and and they all feel very pointed at sort of one issue um so when they get into other stuff too it's like oh this is like kind of awkward like what are you trying to say exactly? Yeah. Yeah. And, either, and sometimes it feels in, uh, accidental. Like it, this is necessary to push the plot along sometimes. Uh, because uh, in this film, like I, one thing that I, and, and again, this goes back to like, like there's just, and I, I don't, I'm not saying I need nuance in these films, but like they make it known, like uh, so, the new founding fathers they condemn this forever purge because their politicians are getting killed, right? People, they're like they're dying. Which is that part was so interesting to me too, because it's like so heavily invoking that capital riot, where it's like, oh yeah, Trump doesn't want these people doing it. And again, I know the timeline of the production of this movie doesn't line up. I'm like, wow, this came out kind of at the perfect time. Yeah, no, but my whole point with bringing that up though is like. I just like why what is the like I again like unless you're trying to make a broader political point but I, it just feels like that's not the case because like you said it doesn't line up like I just felt like it doesn't mean much like yeah I I hate that and this is the thing it's like again maybe this is just because it's the politics of the filmmaker but like I hate the idea of these people are just everyday people who are divided and killing each other, right? Like that bothers me on some level when it's like not realizing that like corporations and uh, government are the real enemies of the people. Like they're the ones that are driving this, right? Yeah, but and- I think what they're getting at there, if I'm 
if I'm correct, is that, you know, it's like the government sort of using this like sort of like mild division that has always existed and exploiting that to like further factionalize people and sort of like use them as pawns yet still condemn it like uh bring upon the conditions where people would behave this way and would continue to purge forever and would continue to act out you know these acts of like fascism and totalitarianism without the party itself having to lift a finger like we've activated our base and i think that's sort of my takeaway from it yeah, but I and I I definitely I understand what you're saying, but like part of the reason that I I I thought that the f- first purge was so um, clever is that no one is purging, right? Like there's some petty theft and there's a little bit of crime, but they have the government in order to get people to turn against themselves, they have to manufacture these events, right? It's almost like yeah, yeah. CIA, you know false flags to 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 get people to do these evil things because the moral compass of the people is not to do this initially right yeah but so, isn't that also sort of the trajectory of america like no you have this you're right yeah you're right i that's true that's true and i i guess it just i guess in, in the sequence of the films like i'm it, because this follows the first purge uh it like if you actually think about it in chronological order i guess that makes more sense like if you know like this is if you if this has been happening for 15 years i guess this is the natural right propulsion yeah. to, of of yeah. uh, air culmination of these events so yeah like in yeah now that makes sense uh there there this man I, part of like i'm just kind of upset that this is quote unquote the last purge movie like to be honest like i feel like there's Do you so, believe them well i think i i believe that demonico's done like i i don't think he's going to be back at least not soon he probably has other things he wants to do um yeah because these do make money oh yeah absolutely and like they they'll attach like no-name directors to them yeah yeah and like this i've never heard of the guy that directed this goot or whatever his name is gout yeah he, he only had one other uh credit on letterbox when i looked yeah is that his name gout or goat like I, I don't i don't know um hold on i'll uh i'll call him up on this skype call <laughs> we'll ask him he, do, he doesn't even have he doesn't have a, um, a wiki page so like I don't you know you know how they give sometimes pronunciations of names in there um if you can find Jason Blum's email he'll probably let you direct the next person yeah movie, dude if you I want might, to I be might... like hey man I have an idea <laughs> I have an idea we've talked about how the purge would be hard for you know actual marginalized people what if they made it about how it uh, affected suburban white boys because <laughs> yeah. I I have a good viewpoint on that. I I I identify. Yeah. Uh, Listen, I'm a crazy ass white boy, and the my night uh, of the purge would be a little wild. It was a little a little wild. Um, I I definitely think that there is like lots of um material here that could be mined, and um you know I I honestly think like this was like the most extreme version of these movies like it's so weird because like comparing this to the first purge which is what i keep doing and and i know it's not completely fair because again these that movie is like really subdued to compared to this and election day um in terms of like the scope and breadth of what they're trying to do um like it's a really contained film in terms of like the characters and what's happening um 
I don't know. I just, I really, I think that's the, I think that's the peak of, of these. Oh, hundred so percent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't hate this movie. I don't think I loved it as much as you, um, again, cause I just get annoyed by, by a little bits here and there. And like, I just don't give a fuck about the new founding fathers enough to like, I don't like when that conspiracy is introduced in the first purge, it's cool. It's interesting. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. Like this is, these people didn't want to hurt each other. They were like basically, you know, stage this, whatever false flag that's cool that's i get that and then like if you're bringing the purge to the to it to an end i i think like having people like that's i guess that's my biggest thing is like i really wanted the people to be the saviors of the country rather than like election day media as like one person this person being elected or their sacrifice like is the reason that this is going to change you know what i mean yeah and the stance that this movie takes is like maybe it is beyond it is your beyond, yeah. ability yep. to save anything. And like, yeah, there are, there are powers far greater than you who have fucked this so far beyond belief that there's no chance you could ever unfuck it, which might be a little on the nose and true. <laughs> like we, that might be, uh, yeah, it's, it's hitting a, a little a, too close to home, a very cynical viewpoint, but it's also one that given, you know everything at least in this country and you know i'm sure i, I know we have some uh, listeners across the pond something that a lot of countries over there have gone through uh recently with you know countless <laughs> fucked up things happening in everyone's lives weighing on yeah. everyone constantly um but but there's also something cathartic uh to and i i, I think i am more interested in the like weird political lore of these movies than you are like i think it's kind of fun um especially when it's this like okay what if let's take modern like fucked up america and amplify it by a thousand times it is the like macro version of yeah of what this country is um and then just to see something so like violent set in that backdrop is like oh this is like and there's just like a ton of cool imagery too. Um, I really liked the uh, the main the main character Juan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Juan. Um, he's like they're just like finding insane guns all over the place, and there's yeah. this like yeah. awesome pose. He's like stanced up after like the final fight of the movie, and in his belt is like a pistol with a Confederate flag handle. It's like I don't know, just stuff that like yeah. made me chuckle. Um, and like the even though it's like yeah i don't i don't fuck with the confederate flag in like the culture surrounding stuff like that um there is like a a sort of like heartwarming solidarity to like hey let's here's a movie where like the fucking like rich kind of racist uh like horse people white horse people in texas befriend the uh the uh, like immigrant sort of like stable managers i don't know what you'd call their position there and i don't know it's like okay it's kind of fun even if it's like obvious and it kind of gets into like white savior territory um but at the same time like the the white family is kind of the family who is learning throughout this movie like yeah all of the the mexican characters are shown from the beginning to be like oh no they're like very good-hearted and are sort of always operating from a like a morally righteous place 
it's kind of refreshing, right? Yeah, it's just like I don't know, fun to watch. It is. I agree. I agree. Um, my it, burning question for you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the, a little off topic. Uh, some some levy to this conversation. We're getting into some some serious areas. If you were purging Brian, yes. What would your What would your fun gimmick costume be? What are you rocking yeah, with? Great. No, that's a great question. And I I think that. You know, I, I get making it kind of scary or like off-putting. You know, they like using like um, demon masks or uh, you know the red, white, and blue or the. Um, uh, She's like, a sexy nurse with a big pair of scissors. Yeah, right. I, like almost like Halloween, right? Like esque, right? Yeah, like a spirit Halloween blew up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, yeah, they do the purge the day after Halloween canonically. Right. No, but what I what I personally would do is I would be as like off the wall. I'm talking like I would get a Barney costume or I would get a um um Teletubbies outfit, right? That'd be pretty scary. What's your weapon? Uh poison candy oh so you kill kids i'd kill whoever i mean you would eat candy <laughs> wouldn't you eat wouldn't you i mean I, if i handed you a Reese cup laced with arsenic during the purge yeah no, i would not eat it okay but i'm just saying there might be people who do eat it i mean think about that you know you're when, hey when I, mothers war- are upset with their kids for not checking for razor blades in the halloween candy they're talking about brian's <laughs> Exactly. People are probably like thinking, like, "God, this guy is fucking sadistic." Yeah, what putting putting like a a needle in a Mars bar? <laughs> yeah, but see, like everybody's got like guns and knives and machetes and pitchforks and fucking bombs. No, I'm out here with poison. I'm out here with like shit that's gonna fuck you up, right? Like, you know, come at me, bro. Right? Dressed as a Teletubby. Uh, yeah. I'm out here. Just... What if what if you had some kind of like a like the Batman Begins scare gas? You have some sort of a like citywide sewer system chemical weapon attack planned, but it could be like laughing gas, so everyone's happy oh, and you just dance around. But wow. you have an air filter in your Teletubby mask, and you're just skipping around, so people are happy in their last moments. What do you think of that? I like that actually. That is super interesting. Yeah, I think for me, I'd uh, dress really sharp, you know, try to look as handsome as possible and use debate in the spoken word, the pen as my weapon. Ah, the pen is my tear. Yeah. Go model UN. (laughs) You you just bore them to death? Yeah. Uh, Decorum, delegates, please put down your weapons. (laughs) You know what? One thing that I think that they never really touched on, and I thought... Why wouldn't there be more bigger, larger, like, terrorist attacks? Yeah, you're kind of giving them the perfect opportunity to do, like, another 9-11. Right? I mean, because you're you're saying, like... But would maybe the, the idea that, oh, everyone's doing it tonight, kind of like, oh, yeah, where's the excitement in doing a terrorist attack on the Purge? Well, I mean, like, you know, yeah. uh, no one's no one's focused on you necessarily. It's like, yeah, my granddad just got uh, killed by a nun with an Uzi, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, I guess. 
But, I mean, like, if you, I don't know, if you're going to blow up a building, why wouldn't you do it on the purge, right? I mean, like you said, no one's going to be out there, you know, driving your box truck full of fertilizer anyway. Would have made Fight Club a lot simpler. Right. Yeah, Where's that's what we need. The next movie needs to be um, Fight Club inside the purge. Alternatively, an Army of the Dead style heist movie set in the purge. That's uh, now we're on to something. I think we. I think we. I think we should hit up Jason yeah. Blum's line. Okay, uh, purge. What happens during the purge on the International Space Station, Brian? <laughs> Dude, that's a right. Good point. Yeah. If the uh, purge is happening in the UK, what happens in international waters? Or a yeah. purge like a Waterworld style purge movie set in the English Channel. Oh, dude, what if you got access... Yeah, dude, access to a nuclear bomb. Oh, yeah, we could do, like, a like a Bollywood... Uh, <laughs> India versus Pakistan. Right. They both purge have a, movie. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. All right, all right, we got to cut this down. This, we got to end this before we offend everyone. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the fucking Doomsday Clock. Check it out, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um... Overall, I think we both enjoyed this film, um, and uh, we. Would you want to see more Purge films? Oh, a hundred percent. No, like this is one of those series where it feels like it is such a. Even if the quality isn't like incredible, and I really enjoy this movie, and but I, I have realistic expectations going mm-hmm. into it. I'm not expecting like this is going to change my life. It's like no, I want to have an awesome time for ninety minutes. Um, and just going in with those expectations and getting like exactly what I paid for when I bought the ticket. Um, like it's impossible for me to have any like real criticism of a type of movie like this. So, and, and cause we don't really get stuff like this, like studio horror. It's like, what else does Blumhouse do? Fucking like truth or dare. Right. Um, it's like kind of bummer stuff. So (laughs) I'd rather see something like this become the next like Chucky where there's 11 of them and they keep getting like wilder and wilder. And people are like, like seven people have seen the last movie, but the ones who have are like, it's Mm. the fucking craziest shit of all time. Like you don't understand. (laughs) Right. Like, and just like, let it be a cult thing. No, like they sell well, like people like these movies. I think the concept is like enticing. It's like, Oh, that's fucked up. I want to see what that would be like. I I totally agree. Like this is kind of like um um vicariously living through film is it, this is the definition of that, right? Yeah. Like, well, when did the first Purge movie come out? 2011? 2013, I think. 2013. Cuz I remember I was I was 14 years old in 2013, Brian. Um, Thanks for reminding and, me. Yeah. I remember at school somebody somebody I knew had seen it. They might have been no, it wasn't at school. I don't know. Somebody a couple years younger than me had seen it with their parents, and they were like, "You don't understand. It's the scariest movie of all time." <laughs> <laughs> and like for a long time, like I just like wasn't into horror movies as a kid. Like I am way more now. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my head, I'm like, "Oh yeah, like if all crime was legal, that that is the scariest thing that could happen." <laughs> so, so I think that like that legacy also lasts in my mind of like yeah this concept is kind of cool because i have that like childhood association with just like that concept being so intriguing and like oh that's not okay i want to see what that is (laughs) right 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think this concept is, it's obviously like not, at the time it was unique, but now it's kind of been like, uh, it's kind of like a cultural joke. But I think that they've done such a good job with these movies that it just can, it needs to go on forever. Yeah, no, and I, I don't know if there's any other franchise of this caliber right now that's more deserving and is as consistently entertaining as The Purge um, and makes the money that it does. Like, people people see The Purge name, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. got to see the, the new Teletubby pouring tear gas all over the place. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I don't think there are. I think you're right. I don't think there are. There's nothing that's this. Um, probably widely successful and at the same time taking the chances that this these films take, right? Yeah. Um, n- not at all. Um, we've kind of recycled horror in a lot of ways um, to, to this day. Like, you know, um, there isn't a lot of new ideas. Um, yeah, you're. it's either like A24, like, ooh, elevated horror, or... Um, yeah, like Blumhouse PG thirteen, mm-hmm. like first date movies for thirteen year olds. Yeah, pretty much. All right, well, let's uh, end the show. This show is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, we didn't have a we we went almost an hour and a half. That's good. Um, all right, anything else you want to say? I think that's going to do it for this episode. If you're listening to this, I love you. Oh, that's kind kind words, Drew. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side. Bye.